Well, very good. Well, our speaker for the weekend is Micah Tuttle. Anyone know Micah? Ever met Micah? So yeah, well, Micah, he lives in California now. He's doing more or less missionary work out in California, I believe, with the Freedom Team. If you've heard of them, that's out there doing work, um, evangelism, and I think they planted a church out there in California. Uh, for years, uh, Micah did ministry in Peru. He was in Peru. How long were you in Peru for, Micah? Ten years or? Eighteen. There you go. Ten years, give or take eight, you know, so. For 18 years in Peru. And so if you need to practice your Spanish, definitely come up and chat with Micah. Um, but he does a good work, preaches the word, loves preaching the word, loves sharing the gospel. And so why don't we give a great youth rally welcome to Micah Tuttle. So, Open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 10, verse 39, I think is, uh, I think is where, I, I think I'll start here. <clears throat> um. It's a great honor to be here, and uh, I'm feeling a little little under the weather, so uh, if I faint, if I suddenly fall over, just uh, somebody can come over and, and pick me up, and I'll just keep preaching. One time I did that in, in Connecticut. I, uh, I was in the middle of, I was preaching David and Goliath, and I got to the point where uh, David had, had just uh, hit, hit Goliath with the, uh, with the, the, well, he didn't hit him with the sling, with the uh, stone from the sling, and he, he was standing over him, about ready to cut his head off. I was reading that portion, and everything just started to kind of black out, and I, I knew I, I, was, I was feeling really sick, and as I was, I was reading the text, I was just thinking to myself, okay, Micah, just like finish reading the story, and then just tell him, like, and, and that's all I have to say about that, and then I'll just sit down, and, uh, but I didn't make it that far, and I just blacked out, and I, next thing I know, I was on the ground, and people were around me. And uh, they picked me up, and I just kept on preaching. It was great. So if that happens, that's what you can do. Um, <clears throat> I, I guess bef before looking at this right here, um, I, I, what I would like to say, I feel a, a tremendous weight of just, just the opportunity, each one of you here, so much potential in this room, so many gifts and abilities, so many years that you guys have ahead of you if the Lord Jesus does not tarry, if, if the rapture is still off a few years, you have so much opportunity here to live lives that have an impact for time and eternity. Don't waste your life. Don't waste, the, especially these, these years right now, as a young man, as a young woman, you have a tremendous opportunity to right now begin to cultivate an intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus. R really working on a relationship with him through Bible and prayer 
and getting together with brothers and sisters who will sharpen you in the Lord, sharpen you in the faith. And, and then to go out as an army of evangelists, an army of, of Bible preachers, an army of whatever your gift and ability is, going out and using that to make Christ's name great in a world that, look at our world in which we live. And, and everything, it just seems like, especially in the last, I mean, everything's been accelerated in the last two years. Um, and, and now what's happening with Russia and Ukraine, and uh, it just, we are standing on the edge of eternity. We're at the end. I mean, the rapture, we can't put dates on it. But it, it sure seems, it is so possible, the Lord Jesus is coming during your lifetime. I, I, I may not be, but man, we are close, and it is a, everything is just falling into place. And do you feel the sense of urgency? Oh, that the Lord would just raise up an army of young people to make his name great, no matter what the cost, that missionaries would be going out in these last days to the worst places on the planet, no matter what the cost. The Hebrews chapter 11, the, the writer of, of Hebrews, he, he's, he's writing that famous chapter in chapter 11, and he's talking about the, these great men and women uh, who really, they're not great in and of themselves, but they have a great God that they serve, and a great God that works wonders through them. And, and he's going through that hall of faith, and then he gets to the end, kind of the last part of the chapter, about verse 32, and he's just like, what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak, of Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens, women, Receive their dead, raised to life again. And then the whole thing switches right here. Others and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Oh, I already said that part. Still others had trials of mockings and scourgings. Yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were tempted. They were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. Oh, that you would be those people of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. These people were like John the Baptist, wild men, wild women living for the Lord. It did, they, they weren't looking to just amontonar their treasures here on, on this, this planet, storing up treasures in heaven. And then it ends, that whole passage ends, uh, and the, wandering about in deserts and mountains and caves of the earth, of whom the, and of whom the world was not worthy. And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. And it's kind of like you get to the end of that passage, you're like, what? That's not fair. 
They're waiting for you. They're waiting for that last generation who waves the flag of Zion across the land. They're waiting for us to finish the race like they finished, to finish well. They didn't receive the promise. Why? Because they're waiting for the full number to come in, and then the promise comes. And I think the promise in that context is talking about glorified bodies. Yes, they're in, the, in heaven, they're in the Lord's presence right now, but they're waiting for you and I to run the race well like they did for that great moment when we have glorified bodies. Um, and then after that, in chapter 12, it goes in, I wasn't even planning on saying all of this, I'm sorry. But in chapter 12, verse 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Looking to Jesus. Um, as we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, there's some debate on, on the interpretation of, of what, and you can take that in different ways, but what if it's referring to this great cloud of witnesses that are referred to in Hebrews chapter 11, I just quoted the last part of it, all these, all these men and women who by faith saw triumph, others by faith saw tremendous trials, they finished the race well, and now they watch from heaven. Or we're surrounded by this cloud of witnesses as they just cheer you on. Run! Run, Caleb! Don't give up! Keep going to the finish line! Mike! Mike Ells, keep running! Run, brother, run! Don't desmayar! Don't faint along the way! And these, they've run the race, and now it's your turn. Right now is game time for you and for me. Run this race well. And how do you do it? According to verse 2 right there, looking to Jesus. He's the author and perfecter of this whole thing, this faith that we live the Christian faith that we that has changed and transformed our lives, Jesus is the author of it, and we're to look to him. One time with my wife, we were driving in separate cars. She had left the house before me, and we were going to the same spot, and, and, I, and I caught up with her, and I got up to the stoplight, and, and I'm always in competition with everybody, so I'm trying to beat my wife. I catch up to her, and I get to this stoplight, and we're like together there, and, and, and I'm looking over at her, and, and she doesn't even see me. She's like, her eyes are fixed on the stoplight. She's just ready uh, maybe she's thinking about something or whatever, but I'm over here and I'm like waving at her and everything. Amy, and, and I'm like pounding on the window. It was cold, so I didn't want to roll it down. But uh, anyway, she, she, she had no idea. And the light turned and, and I like, I'm trying to beat her. So I took off and I, I, I beat her. But uh, <laughs> you know, when you're fixed, your eyes are fixed and you're concentrating on, on whatever it is, if you're really concentrating on it, it's going to be difficult to distract you from that thing. She had no idea that I was there. 
What a way to live our lives in the midst of temptation and sin all around us and all the distractions. You guys have grown up and are continuing to grow up. You're becoming adults, men and women. You're growing up in the most distracted generation that has ever walked this planet. I mean, we've, we've got, all got internet in our pocket, even though Tony said that we're not supposed to look at our cell phones this week. But, uh, I mean, distraction number one right there. It, distractions everywhere. We, we got to see the, the scores in the game, and uh, there's social media. There, there's just, there's everything. But to fix our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ... That right there is the key to living a victorious life free of sin. There's a story about Michelangelo. I still wasn't planning on saying any of this. Um, there's a story about Michelangelo, um, famous painter, artist. Um, they, he, he had a job where he, it was taking him months to uh, paint a, a mural on the, the, the ceiling of a, of a cathedral. And they had built... A, Andamio, scaffolding, scaffolding up there. And uh, he would spend uh, days um, uh, on top of the scaffolding, laying down, just, just painting. The, the ceiling was right there. He'd just spend hours a day, 12 hours a day, just painting, 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 all the little details. And he said that at the end of the day, when he quit painting, and he, and he got up from the scaffolding and he took his eyes off of the painting. He said tremendous pain in the, in the back of his eyeballs. And it, it serves as a great illustration of if you take your eyes off Jesus, it's going to hurt. If you're a true believer and you're really walking with the Lord and you've got your eyes fixed on him, but at times you're distracted and you look away, it should hurt. It should be painful. Every time I read this verse, I think of that story with Michelangelo. Oh, but brothers and sisters, live, live a life like this. Strangers and aliens, pilgrims, they're just passing through in this life. Men and women of whom the world was not worthy. Some of them saw great triumph, and then others saw tremendous trials. But only one life to live, soon twill pass. Only what's done for Christ will last. If they kill me, and martyrdom might be something that's coming soon in our country, sooner than later. Oh, if it be in the service of the Lord Jesus Christ, bring it on. That the Lord would raise up a bold and courageous group of young people with boldness and courage pumping through their veins, eternity stamped on their eyeballs. Live lives not wasted. What are you doing? Wake up. I was, I was, okay, I'm gonna, I was gonna do it. No, now I'm gonna do it. I'm just gonna go around and shake people. Just wake up. Wake, oh, there's Juanes. Yeah, wake up, wake up. Oh, I, might, I might hurt somebody. I, I can't hurt him though, he's tough. Okay, now, now go, to, what, what was the passage I said? Luke, where was it? Luke 10, 
Look at this. Okay, so I have trouble sticking to the topic sometimes. And um, the, the topic is people who met Jesus, men and women who met Jesus. Now, I, I really, I don't want Tony to totally hold me to that. I might go off of it on, on one message or so. But I want to show you um, this evening Mary, the sister of Martha and also sister of Lazarus. And I want to show you this woman in, in three different passages. And, and the main point of what I want to say here is go to the feet of Jesus. If we're going to live lives that are not wasted, if the Lord is really going to use you, a younger generation, to accomplish great things for his great name and his great cause and his great son, the only way that it's going to happen, it's got to start here. You've got to go to the feet of Jesus. Young men and young women that, that want nothing more than Jesus and Jesus alone. I want Christ and Christ alone. You can have everything else in this world. I want Christ and Christ alone. And that's what you see in this woman right here, in Mary. Look at this. Verse 36. Man, everything's kind of blurry. I can't see very well. Verse 38. 38 is where I want to go. Now, now as they went on their way, Jesus entered the village... And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up and said to him, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. What I want to emphasize mostly is, is there in verse 39, Mary sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Um, that right there is the place that all of us ought to long to be at the feet of the Lord Jesus. And you, you see this, this woman, Mary, she's at the feet of the Lord Jesus and she's just listening to his teaching. How, how do we listen to the Lord's teaching today? How does Jesus speak to us today? He speaks to us through his word. You need to go to his word and spend a significant amount of time there each day. If you really want to go to Jesus' feet and you want to hear him speak to you, open your Bible. Open your Bible. Let, let me read this. This is a quote um, that, that's at the front of every one of the Gideon's New Testaments. It's, it's written by an unknown author and it says this. It's, it's kind of a definition of what the Bible is. This is Jesus speaks to us through the Bible, through his word. You need to go to his feet and let him speak to you through his word. If you're not reading the Bible, Jesus isn't speaking to you. Read your Bible. This is a good definition of the Bible right here. This book, the Bible, is the mind of God, the state of man, the way of salvation, the doom of sinners, and the happiness of believers. 
Its doctrines are holy, its precepts are binding, its histories are true, and its decisions are immutable. Read it to be wise, believe it to be safe, practice it to be holy. It contains light to direct you, food to support you, and comfort to cheer you. It is the traveler's map, the pilgrim's staff, the pilot's compass, the soldier's sword, and the Christian's charter. Here paradise is restored, heaven is open, and the gates of hell, hell disclosed. Christ is its grand subject, our good its design, and the glory of God its end. It should fill the memory, rule the heart, and guide the feet. Read it slowly, frequently, prayerfully. It is a mine of wealth and a paradise of glory and a river of pleasure. Follow its precepts and it will lead you to Calvary, to the empty tomb, and to a resurrected life in Christ. Yes, to glory itself for all eternity. That's a really good definition of the Bible. Go to the feet of Jesus. Go to the feet of Jesus. Open your Bible. You know, another thing you, can, you could do here. <coughs> Sorry. I'm getting over COVID. <clears throat> Look at Matthew chapter 1. Uh, and the verse, the verse that comes just before Verse 1. Look at that. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this passage, and I want you to listen closely, okay? I want you to catch this. Did you get it? Here, I'm, I'm really going to emphasize it this time, Okay? Did you catch that? that? That blank page between New and Old Testament? Zero words, but it screams. One time I preached a whole message on the blank page. It, this, this blank page screams God was silent for 400 years. No prophets, no men and women of God, Silent for 4,400 years with the Jewish nation. And you know what? Most of you find yourself in the blank page right now. You're in the blank page. God doesn't speak to you because you don't read the Bible. You're not going to Jesus' feet. Jesus isn't talking to you because you're not going to the Bible. Read your Bible. You can see Ma uh, Mary right here. Imagine, she, she's just, she's there. She's sitting at Jesus' feet. Just sitting there. As Jesus, do you have anything to, to teach me, to tell me? No, that, that's okay, because he's not Jesus. He's not Jesus. But just sitting, sitting at Jesus' feet and just, just listening. I just want to hear Jesus. I just want him to teach me. How often do you just go to Jesus' feet and hear him, his teaching, just let it pour over you, just wash over you? 
If, if, if God's going to do something with this generation, if he's going to do something with you in your life to impact this world and for time and eternity, it starts with going to Jesus' feet, just sitting at his feet, letting him teach you. Open your Bible. Spend time in God's word. Someone has talked about the, the way to grab a hold of your Bible, the, the five kind of fingers to grab a hold of the Bible. You've got to read it. You've got to meditate on it. You've got to memorize parts of it. You've also, it's very helpful to just listen to it. Listen to it being preached. Listen to the audio of it. And then, fifthly, to obey it. The five, five fingers to grab hold of your Bible. Um, this same woman, Mary, now flip over to John. Flip over to John chapter 11. We're going to see the same woman, Mary, at the exact same place, the feet of Jesus. John 11, verse 32. Now, this is um, when Lazarus, her brother, had died. And uh, in verse 32, it says, Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet saying, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. So look at that. She fell at his feet. So it's the same woman at the exact same place, the feet of Jesus. And, and now... Before she's sitting at his feet, she's, she's listening to his teaching, just, just sitting there, getting Jesus' teaching. Now, she's running to the same place days, weeks, months later, I don't know, maybe, maybe this is a year later. It, it, she runs up to Jesus this time, same, same woman, same place, but this time she gets a little bit lower. Before she's seated at Jesus' feet, now she, she's on her knees. She falls down at his feet. And now she's crying out to him, Lord, if you, if you just would have been here, my brother would not have died. And you, you just get this sense of this desperation. Lord, crying out to the Lord. When's the last time you went to the Lord in desperation? With something major that's going on in your life. Many of you have gone through some serious trash, really difficult things in your life. Some of you are going through it right now. The only place that you can really run to, that you're really going to have answers, is the feet of Jesus and just to cry out to him. Seated at his, at his feet for his teaching, and then there's moments you just fall down at his feet Crying out to him, Lord, I need you. Lord, I need answers. I don't understand. Why is this happening? She's crying out to the Lord right here. You know, in, uh, man, I don't know if I should, 9.53, I can't believe this. I thought I was going to like, I was like, how am I going to go this long? Uh, this is the introduction. <clears throat> okay, uh, I'll skip that. Um, th there's, a, there's a story about uh, the famous missionary David Livingston. Um, he, uh, he was a missionary to Africa. And they say that in his, uh, in his 
uh, last days, he, he, was, he was sick. He's, a, he's an old man. He had a, uh, a young man that was an assistant that uh, kind of stood guard for him outside of his tent. And um, David Livingston at this point in his life was known to, to spend sometimes hours in prayer um, in his tent at, at the side of his cot. And um, he was also, like I said, very sick at this time. And so the people that he was with are kind of worried about him. And uh, so anyway, he was on his knees up against his cot praying. And uh, the young man outside, the assistant that was outside the tent uh, was standing there. And someone had come and they wanted to talk to David Livingston. And, and so uh, they checked inside the tent and, and they looked and, and David Livingston is there. He's, he's uh, kneeling at his cot, uh, facing away from them. And so uh, they gave him about five minutes and then they look in again and he's still kneeling there. And uh, so then uh, they give him maybe 10 more minutes and they look in. He's still, still kneeling there. And so um, finally, they're, they're just a little bit worried because he was sick, he's, he's older and everything. So they come in quietly in the tent and, and they come up to him from behind him. And, and he's, so he's kneeling like this, praying, uh, up his, his cot's right here. And they come in from behind him. And as they, they come up, he's kneeling, they touch him on the shoulder. And when they touch him on the shoulder, he falls over. He had died while praying. What a way to go. Uh, you're talking with the Lord, and then you enter into his presence, and you just continue the conversation. <laughs> but I mean, what, what a way. The guy's on his knees, crying out to the Lord, and then wakes up in the Lord's presence. What better place to be but at the feet of Jesus? David Livingston's a great example of a man that cultivated a, a real and intimate relationship with the living God, and the Lord used him greatly to have a major impact in his time, in his generation, on the continent of Africa. Oh, go to the feet of Jesus. Go to the feet of Jesus. Go to the feet of Jesus. Okay, one more verse. As we come down to the last few minutes, chapter 12 now, <coughs> chapter 12 uh, of John, John chapter 12, we'll just start in verse 1. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came, from, came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave, him a, gave a dinner for him. There and Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at table. Mary, therefore, took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of her perfume. This is the same woman, Mary. It's in context with Martha and Lazarus. It seems to be the same Mary going to the same place, the feet of Jesus. But now look, she's even lower. Wiping Jesus' feet with her hair. So, so first you've got her just seated. Once again, just listening to his teaching. Jesus is teaching her. She goes into Jesus' presence. You need to go there. The feet of Jesus. Let him teach you as you open up your Bible. But then there are times when 
You're going through difficult stuff in your life. Difficult stuff in your family. Difficult stuff maybe with your health or financially. Friends, you're going through really hard things. And it is time just to get a little bit lower, kneel down at the feet of Jesus and crying out to him with these petitions. Lord, help. I need you. I need answers. Lord, come to my rescue. You're desperate like Mary was. And now at this moment here, this is a different kind of a situation. Now she comes to Jesus. Doesn't seem that she's desperate. It doesn't seem that she's come necessarily for teaching. Maybe she, she wants that also at this moment. But this is just worship. Now she just, she gets l- lower and her hair, my hair is not very long, but uh, so I really have to get low. But I mean, she's there washing Jesus' feet with her hair. What a picture of, of worship. And what a picture of sitting at Jesus' feet, kneeling at Jesus' feet, bowing at Jesus' feet, prostrating herself before the Lord Jesus. What, what a picture of worship right there. Oh, that the Lord would raise up a younger generation of men and women that are really worshipers of the Lord Jesus Christ, that worship God in spirit and in truth. She worships Jesus right there. Same woman, same place. Um, Let me, I wrote this down. Let me just read this. I want you to think about this. If, If you could have heaven, With every good thing you can imagine, no sickness, all the friends you ever had on earth, all the food that you ever liked, all the leisure activities that you ever enjoyed, all the natural beauties that you ever saw, all the physical pleasures that you ever tasted, no human conflict, no spiritual conflict, if you could have all that... But God wasn't there. But Jesus wasn't there. That, that, that's a picture of heaven. But let's say all of that, that's so perfect. But Jesus wasn't there. Would you want a heaven like that? This Mary would scream, No! No, you can have all that other stuff. The streets of gold, I don't care about that. I want Jesus. She comes to the feet of Jesus, seated, kneeling, bowing. And look at what it cost her. This is a year's worth of wages. Oh, and she would have given, you get this impression, she would have given so much more. Jesus is worth everything to me. I just want to be at Jesus' feet. Oh, young men and young women, go to the feet of Jesus. Go to the feet of Jesus. Go to the feet of Jesus. If you're going to live a life not wasted, In this generation, at this pivotal time in history, it's got to start with you and I. 
going to the feet of Jesus. Sometimes sitting, sometimes kneeling, sometimes bowing. Go to the feet of Jesus. Let's pray. Oh, Lord God, there are so many things going on in this room right now. The spiritual battle rages. And Satan will send his birds to quickly swoop in and take up the seed that has been sown. Lord God, I pray that you would not leave the young person in this building or maybe older person in this building that's listening. Don't leave that person in peace until they come to the feet of Jesus. Lord, we pray that you would do great things in our generation, but we recognize we need to spend time in your presence. Help us to cry out with Mary. I don't want a heaven without Jesus. It doesn't matter how perfect it might be. We want you and you alone. God, I pray that you would set our hearts on fire, that you would set our souls on fire for you that there would be a passion pumping through our veins to make Christ's name great. Lord, we pray that here at the end of the ages, you would give us an eternal perspective. Help us to live, as, live lives as strangers and aliens, just passing through. I'm just here for a short amount of time in comparison to eternity. My life is like a vapor. Oh, Lord. Help us to be men and women of whom this world is not worthy. Not because of anything special in and of ourselves, but because we're known as people that spend time at the feet of Jesus. We put our lives into your hands asking that you would be glorified and that you bless the remainder of these meetings. In Jesus' name, amen.